Bop. Bebop. Okay, now don't change their audio levels. Don't start screaming. We're just mimicking you. No, You're I, the leader well, here. I, I'm you have testing. You to tell us what to do. Um, oh, I get to tell you what to do. Yeah. Oh, this is my yeah. king scene in a nutshell right here. <laughs> uh, get me a sandwich and <laughs> what is your safe word? Uh, vote. Welcome back to What's Your Safe Word. I'm Amp. I'm Mr. Christopher. And today we have a lovely guest. Would you like we, to say hello? We do. Would you like to you can say hello? Hey. <laughs> it's me. Can you Sean tell from his voice? Oh, oh, you just blew it. Sean Harding's here today. <laughs> and Sean is a porn star, performer, sex worker, whatever you'd like to call it, who was actually quoted by the White House when going live and talking about a certain lady, G. And no, we're not talking about Gaga. But the internet did go Gaga when you did tweet about this certain politician. And you even went a little viral. So congrats. But we do want to talk about the fact that going viral is sometimes a very dangerous thing. And especially when you are a sex worker that puts themselves out on the internet. Because turns out that civil rights and civil rights issues are very complicated, especially when politics and politicians are involved who think that they are above the law. So thanks for coming on today, Sean, just to talk about sex, negative cultures, politics, and the like. But first, we've talked about OnlyFans a number of times in the past. We had an entire mm-hmm. episode about it. Yeah. And today's kind of coincides with, with that episode a bit in that we are, all of us are, we're all sex workers, right? We are. Yeah, can, we, can we say that? Yeah. Okay. But why does no one take us seriously? Well, because we're just having sex and that's it. (laughs) Our our assholes are out and that's all we're good for. No. Um, Today's specific topic is called whorephobia, which sounds like... Horrific. Well, it sounds like a horror movie. Yeah. Well, we're going into October. That's good timing. Ooh, spooky season. Spooky. Spooky. (laughs) Yeah. And so today's episode is going to kind of talk about that and how it works into just the political like frame of our mental health. Our, our society. Um, and I think the best way to start off the topic is like, first of all, just kind of describing what horophobia is, which can be this internalized homophobia or, or sex phobia around yourself as a sexual being. But wh- why does it fall into the, the area of sex work will be what we kind of dive into. Um, of course, before that, Daddy, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I am doing good. We've had a, a long, long weekend of um, lots of sex, actually. Yeah. Well, Sean, Sean as well, because you're in town specifically for Folsom, right? Yeah. And I decided to stay a couple more days just to oh, not have... Poor thing. <laughs> oh, wait. You were you were just going to leave today, but now you're going to stay a little longer? Yeah, just a couple more days. Uh, wow. I don't feel like driving back, so. Oh, yeah. Did you have did you have a long weekend? Uh it was, you know, you can probably see it online. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> How about the highlights then? What were yeah. the highlights for you this week? What were your favorite? Well, it parts? was my very first Folsom, so uh it's kind of the whole thing was a big highlight, you know. Yeah, how did it start? Oh. Like I'm thinking back to last Wednesday, how did your Folsom start? Oh, you're asking how Folsom started. I <laughs> uh, got you know tied up to oh. some stirrups in some guy's house, and yeah, some guy. Okay, uh, we, it's it's not yeah, so, Folsom no, 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 yeah. until you're tied uh-huh, up, right? Uh-huh. Right? No one in particular, yeah, just yeah, some yeah. guy, some random guy. Oh, 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 he's right here. What is this bit? <laughs> yeah, so you came into town last Wednesday, and we did a scene for our 
fan sites and platforms, um, which was very fun. Uh, we've done it before, but I think almost two years ago yeah. was the last time. And then COVID happened and a lot of other things happened in between. <laughs> yeah. Anything new? Anything happening? <laughs> uh, no, it's, I just, no, yeah, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. So, um, any but tea on his film? No, no, we are talking about Folsom. Folsom, Folsom Jesus Folsom. Christ, we need to make it an hour okay. long podcast if you speed okay. through to the topic. Uh, so, we had Folsom this weekend in yeah. San Francisco. Um, and Folsom started as like an anti gentrification sort of event. You know, the biker clubs pushing back, the local, the local bars just kind of saying, hey, we're still here because gentrification is still a huge issue. Um, but it started back in, I think the 80s, mm-hmm. 80s, right? Yeah. And so now here we are in 2021 and uh, COVID's still happening. But I'm happy to say, is that what we're calling it now? We're they they called it Mega Hood. I'm still alley. calling it Folsom. As long as it's on Folsom Street, I'm going to continue to call it Folsom. Yeah, it's like calling it's like calling Kleenex paper that you absorb with. Like it's, <laughs> it's Folsom, you know, Tissue. it's Folsom. Um but I'm actually happy to say that it was a very well-attended event. It was very well-attended. It was... People re- were respectful. Lots of people yeah. were masked at the well, event, which was not... I mean, a lot that weren't. Eh, but we're San Francisco you. itself is now 89% vaccinated. That's great. Which I think is one of the highest rates in the country. We love to see that. Um, so that was good. Um, all the venues required masks and vaccine IDs mm-hmm. uh, to get in. So everyone's doing the best they can to be cautious. Yeah. And um, we, we only attended the Eagle, which is an outdoor bar space here, and the, the fair itself um, where we wore our masks. So, I, I mean, I was pretty safe. I didn't really have any crazy sex anywhere. Honestly, it was the least sexual Folsom I've probably ever had, but I'm okay with that because mm-hmm. it was just chill. We raised almost, I think, $1,500 on Saturday night for the Trevor Project while we were streaming some stuff, um, and we had a really good time. So we just we just vibed. We just had fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, like Saturday, I'm not a big circuit party guy, so I just got, went to the beach and did stuff like that and just did Folsom Sunday. So. Oh, nice. Which everyone's like, what? What did you think of the fair? It was, uh, it was fun. Um you know, just had IMO vibes for me because that's the only thing I can compare it to. But yeah, it's definitely a lot more uh, open than Chicago. What's the IML vibe you get? I don't, you know, it's like living in Chicago. It's just kind of like, I don't know, it feels like another weekend kind of sort of. Yeah. <laughs> Except everything gets more crowded. But uh, there was a lot more, uh, I guess, nudity in, involved, which is never a bad thing. Cool. No, in the past, I used to do um, I used to do the Steamworks booth, which was like the big twister. I used to like work the Mister S booth. I they used didn't to, have that this yeah, year. Yeah, they had they didn't have any of the big stuff this I year. I didn't but. see any of the sex venues really. Um, like Mister S didn't have a booth. Yeah. Uh, so n- normally those are mainstays of the fair. It's kind of like the anchor stores. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I didn't see any of those big ones this time. But Mister S was still open, and it was still oh, yeah. a, a very very the very store busy itself was packed. Weekend. There was a line around the block. Yes. Otherwise, no crazy stories from my end. But Daddy, you had a guest in town, right? I did, and this time I um I wasn't mm-hmm. the daddy. I was the sub. So um, a hot 23-year-old I've been playing with online, he came into town and he dumbed me all weekend long. I had to do everything he told me. He also said that you had to continue doing whatever via, um, via me. I feel yeah. that. No, that was, um, no he, I don't. There, I have I, a note I here somewhere, feel, actually, probably from, from um, him. Uh, 
I'm going to uh-huh. have to see receipts on that. Um, <laughs> but no, now I'm, and I was locked in chastity for a week, so I was very horny and frustrated. But now I'm free and all dom again. 100% dom. Dom, da, dom, dom. Dom. Why do you get to run the sound effects? Because I know what the buttons do. In fact, um, one such button that we're going to get to in just a second uh, is, is one of your favorites. Um, but before that, uh, I do want to. I just want to talk about. You know, we all we all fell into a few holes this weekend. It sounds like, right? Oh, did we? Did we? Yeah. Well, I don't know. How many holes did you have? I only had a few. Okay. Well, I also fell into a great deal for this fall with today's sponsor. Oh, you did? Yes, yes. This is where we're, we're, this is, there's an ad read. I know. This is this is not. Sean's over here like, what the hell is this? He, he was like, what, was it my hole? Did day. you fall into my hole? Autumn is in the air. The pumpkins are in patches. And our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure that you don't carve your pants pumpkins when you're grooming. If you know what I mean. Your pants pumpkins. You're, yeah. Those are the ever, words. Your no, pants pumpkins? Don't, don't touch your pants pumpkin. <laughs> They're the hairiest. <laughs> well, Sean, you're, you're kind of hairy. Do you ever, do you ever manscape? I don't. And it's, it's really weird. Cause like I'm hairy, like all up here and on my back. And then if you like look at my ass or legs, it's just like no hair at all there. So, uh, I have cool growth patterns, but you know, no, I don't I, ever, I don't ever shave it usually. Well, some people, some people like to go all natural, but today's sponsor Manscaped is here to make sure that you are getting all of your manscaping needs filled, but not hurting yourself because Manscaped has now over 2 million people worldwide using Manscaped and you too can get it 20% off by using offer code Watts20 um, and they're going to get that perfect performance package. So daddy, what, what is one of your favorite parts to the perfect performance package? My favorite part is the lawnmower. Yeah. Why? Because it, it, it mows my pants pumpkins perfectly. <laughs> Would you say they made them gorgeous? Gorgeous, yes. <laughs> now, if you're looking for your own perfect performance package, what comes in that is the lawnmower 4.0, mm-hmm. the weed whacker, mm-hmm. which is the ear and nose trimmer, the crop. Which is good for me. Yeah, it works really well around piercings and or just getting into your, your very delicate places like the nose and the ear, which most people don't even think about like going at with a razor. Yeah. Usually they try to pluck or trim and that's just not fun. Um, they also come with the ball deodorant, the crop reviver, the performance boxer briefs and the travel shed, which I use for all of our travel needs. And we're about to get into some travel here shortly. That is, uh, yeah. <laughs> and their boxer briefs are very comfortable. They are. They're like, they're like a nice little spandexy athletic wear. Yeah. But um, the new 4.0 package with the lawnmower 4.0 is not going to keep you cozy, but keep you trimmed this season with 4,000 LED spotlights and on-off switch for traveling, and it's waterproof. Wow. Wow. And it has a light. That, that, I already said that. I know, but I'm just saying. Oh, okay. It's my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, they also thought of uh, just a USB charging, so you don't even need to like plug it in. You just put it on the little stand, and it automatically just charges it wirelessly. The full package also comes with, again, that that nose and ear trimmer with 360 rotary dual blades, and everything is proprietary skin safe. That means you're not going to nick or snag your skin, and you're just going to you're going to come out of that looking as as hairless as you want because it's got the multiple uh the multiple razor guards on there that I use on my face, I use on my balls, I use on my body hair. Um and while Sean doesn't need that, I mean, it does work on beards very well actually to clean up on the sides. Yes. So if you need, if you need anything, we we got the hookup. We can we can hook you up. 
So if you would like to uh, get your own 20% off shavings, shavings, and free shipping, you can use offer code WATTS20 at manscaped.com. Again, that is 20% off, free shipping, and you get that full package. Ooh. Now, Daddy, you were saying that you liked working the soundboard? I do. Which which button should you, can I push? No, you're not pushing anything. Uh, 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 and I'm unaware of what sounds are going on. Yeah, no, sure. <laughs> not offensive to you. Okay. So, do you know what I really, 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 really hate? When, when, the, when, when, um, when. No, let me tell you. Okay. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy drives me fucking crazy. Can you say that again? Hypocrisy is you mean, my dad to hypocrisy? Hypocrisy. Is, okay. Yeah, great. It, uh-huh. You're trying to make it hip? I'm, I, it's always, I tr- always try to make things hip. Yeah, Daddy, go ahead. <laughs> anyway, so even today, Liz Cheney came out, who's a politician, who was very against gay marriage, even though family members were gay. And she has now said she's evolved on the subject and now regrets those decisions. Let me list you a list of names that are also problematic. Ralph Shorty, uh, Michael Berry, Greg Davis, James West, Mark Foley, Jim Kolb, Catherine Lehman, Ken Melman. We also have Troy King, Richard Curtis, David Dreer, Bruce Barclays, Roy Ashburn, Larry Craig, Ed Schrock, Bob Allen, Randy Boning, and these are just a few of the politicians who, I know, you should know that from Randy Boning, right? It's right in the name. (laughs) Boning. I, it drives me crazy how many of our politicians have been found out to be in our community that are making laws that hurt us. Mm-hmm. And, and when you say us. The gay community. Yeah. LGBTQ. Um, it's, and there are so many. Um, and it's, it's like it's a reverse homophobia. They're like... They're trying to deflect away from themselves being gay almost. Um, and one of the most, like Aaron Schock says he regrets his anti-gay votes now that he's out. So well, that's convenient for him. Right. And, and we, should, we, should, we should preface this by, by saying that like today's episode is not about like shaming people for their journey of coming out, but more so holding people accountable for the terrible stuff that they do. When they, especially when they, especially when they're in power, and and, when they're in power and they're hurting people in our community, Ken Melman, he too regrets his anti-gay actions when head of the Republican National Committee. Um, It just how many of these got found out though before coming out? Exactly right. And so, how many more are there that we don't even know? That's my question. Oh, there's some I'm sure out there. And it why is it always the most homophobic? person always turns out to be one of us um again i think it's that that internalized homophobia um and it definitely does revolve around sex and and maybe even the horophobia as well which are are both wonderful callbacks to today's topic daddy yeah (laughs) well it just drives me crazy does it drive you crazy sean (laughs) yeah it's uh my least favorite politician is marjorie taylor green which like her behavior is just so childish and it's like what drives me crazy about her is her like antics and anything she does if she had any job a ceo of amazon 
whatever, she would be fired and like be forced to like resign from her position. But she can like sit there and put up like anti-trans signs in the Capitol building. Like she owns the Capitol. Yeah. She just thinks she like runs that show. And it's like every day it's some, it's another level of bullshit with her. And it's like, um, yeah. And while I don't know if she's in, I don't think, I don't know if she's LGBT, but these politicians, they're coming for us. She's very um, anti-trans, very anti-gay. Oh, yeah, no, I know, I know. She's, she kind of led the battle call. I don't know how the, she got there. The trans people in sports, she was like the leader of that little battle call for a while, but I don't know. She's ridiculous. Well, and within all of that, sorry, Daddy, was there more tea? No, that? that's just my tea. I just, Liz Cheney just kind of spurred that to me today, and I was just like, you know... I I'm grateful people evolve on issues, but when all your actions have already done the damage, it it's a fake sorry. And yeah, well, everyone's journey sorry, is different. Sorry. Everyone's journey is 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 valid, but those of us that journey took a a, a full U turn after like hitting a few people along the way, you don't get away with with those hit and runs. You you still are going to be held accountable for that journey that you made that damaged people, property, or just the mental health and well-being of a whole a whole number of communities online, in person, and over the world. Which kind of brings us to So I I mean the biggest part of today's episode is going to be obviously just like sex work because yeah. as sex workers, we all have an opinion and we all you know, it, it, it's a way of life and, and a profession that we have chosen. It's the oldest profession known to man. Right. No, no matter what people try to say, like we have proof that sex work has been around for forever. And all three of us sitting here have done sex work and not shy about it. No. And, and we each do it in, in different capacities. Definitely. Like some people do sex work to supplement their income. Um, for others, it can, it can be a very liberating experience and a form of self-expression. Like that's how I started was I just wanted to, I wanted to do some porn. I wanted to have some experience. I wanted to get paid for it, but it was really just like a, I remember fa- like flying back from my very first shoot on, like in Palm Springs with this big set. And I was just like, wow, th- that was life-changing. That was lovely. That was wonderful. Mm-hmm. I have the power over my body and what I'm doing with it and I'm getting paid, but it's not the same for everyone. And society obviously still looks at it, you know, out of the corner of its eye. They, they love to consume it, especially the politicians who are paying sex workers. They yeah. love to consume it. Yep. But then when it comes to writing laws or regulating it, um, the, the one class that's never included in that conversation until it's too late are the people that are being affected. We can right. see this in trans laws and bills. We can see this in LGBTQ related like marriage bills. Like we're eventually led into that conversation, but only after after there's enough upset, after there's enough damage already done. And the same with like SESTA FOSTA and sex worker rights. There's only just now people looking at how it's affected sex workers. Thankfully, they were but, not included in the conversation but to we begin with. In the conversation to begin with. What about you, Sean? How did your journey begin into it? Um it was about I went to college. I didn't get one degree. I got two degrees. It was like, oh, the corporate world's going to, I'm going to be paid so much money. And then I was working 40 hours a week and not being able to afford food or rent or anything and living by barely means. And I had a friend who like was a sex worker kind of uh, introduced me to it. It was like, try it out. And it just kind of stuck with me. And then uh, from like that, it went to porn and you know, just something I really enjoy. And uh, a lot of people think sex work is just like having sex. And it's like when I'm with like people, it's <laughs> I mean, some I mean, people, some people it's like about just 
having company and having someone to like be intimate with or have a conversation with, they're lonely. Yeah. And sex work goes way beyond just like sex. And uh, I kind of feel like we're like mini therapists a lot of times. Uh, yeah, no, there definitely there's a lot of therapy involved in it as well. Um, and a lot of uh, people who hire sex workers, um, I think they have some built-in shame about it. But then when they do it and they get to know uh, who they're with, um, there's this overwhelming sense of gratitude and thankfulness that they have. Um, just that they can finally be themselves. Yeah. Even if it's for one hour out of the week. And that's what I get the most out of. I love the afterglow. Um, and then going, God, I can't do this at home. I can't be who I am at home. Um, and you get a text. It's like, Oh, I think that was so great. And it's like a week later, it's like you made my month. Yeah. And, and they, they, they dine out on it for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, and cause even in like Canada, like Canada will pay like, you know, certain groups to have set, like they'll pay sex workers to like, you know, be with, uh, so those, with those with disabilities. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, you know, our government doubt we'd ever, oh, we would, I don't <laughs> think America would ever do that. No, America couldn't handle it. But I, I do like what you were saying there, which is like the, the mental health of, and the people that do this work. I mean, they are almost a form of therapy, not a replacement for therapy, granted, but a form of therapy in that you're providing these services for people that can't be out fully or can't be there themselves fully. But to the to the the other side of that conversation, I think that it's all very relative because we don't talk about the the mental health of the sex workers either. Right. And that's that's where I when researching for just this conversation, I found the term horophobia, which was described as a feeling of shame and self-hatred that is often experienced by sex workers. Mm. And I, I understand the concept of it. Like, I, I don't know that I feel shame or, so I, I, lo I love sex work. I love doing it. But there's definitely been instances where I was like, you feel a little dirty afterwards. Or you're just mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm being judged by society for this and that. And what's really interesting is like, that shame only comes up when somebody rears their head and they decide to have an opinion on something. And reading into this, I even found a, a sex-positive therapist who is a sex worker. Their name was Matt Valentine Chase, who documented multiple therapy sessions that they had with their therapist. So they're a therapist that does sex work that has a therapist. And while going to their therapist, the, one of the very first sessions that they had in the initial assessment, which is when like the therapist just kind of gets to know you, are you going to be a good fit? Um, they expressed that the therapist initially just right off the bat gave them a high risk score which is not a good thing in mm. therapy and the only reason for that was because they were a sex worker and rather than this the, the therapist their therapist actually like have a conversation around like what are you doing that's that's part of your work is this dangerous are you being safe what are your safety sex practices they just wrote them off as a high risk person because they did sex work and it's the way in which our society looks at sex work and doesn't actually have a discussion with the sex workers that we see and, and we're going to continue to see and continue to talk about in this conversation because the way in which our own therapists reinforce the stigma around sex work and just sex in general, that it brings that layer of judgment, especially relevant. Like it just, it shows us that our, our society is so sex negative. Um, so like, have you experienced that at all? Sean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little just a little bit, but I have, I mean, I grew up in rural rural Alabama, like a town of 2000 people. And, uh, I've 
you know, going through this, I'm in my seventh year of sex work, is that I found that people will resent you a lot for not being ashamed of the things that they were taught to be ashamed of. Right. And uh, there's a certain, like, I don't know, jealousy or whatever, but they just just really don't like it when you're not ashamed of what they are. And it's like being able to live, like, openly and proud when, you know, I had to spend 18 years of my life just being someone else that wasn't me. But you know what takes that away? And I tell this to people coming out all the time. People will eventually treat you the way you treat yourself. So if you don't feel the shame and stigma and you hold your head up high and you're like, yeah, this is what I do, da da da, da. yeah, I'm gay, um, people will treat you that way. Uh, probably not anyone you um, are super close with that you didn't want to be friends with anyway, but your close friends and family will treat you how you treat yourself about. That was always like when I first started my, the question I hated the most was in the inner group of people. What do you, so what do you do? Mm, And that's how like people will like how much respect they need to show you. And it was like, I would always be like, I'm a personal trainer or something at first. Excuse right, me, I, I, it's not what I do, it's who I do. Yeah. Thank you. I always said people. I did corporate video. <laughs> corporate. I just say content creation at this point. Content it's just creation. the easiest oh, yeah, thing to say. Is like, I make content because everyone's making it. Like, And especially with like OnlyFans. But even then, like over quarantine, we saw, you know, obviously the influx of people going right. to OnlyFans. And there was just one piece around politics, especially that AOC actually kind of started voicing things. And it was a New York paramedic. Her name was Lauren Quay. And she began, she began supplementing her, you know, uh, her paramedic work with OnlyFans money because, of course, we don't pay anyone what they're worth. Right. So this, you know, this person that was in the hospital system was trying to get extra money on OnlyFans. A New York reporter heard about it. And rather than be like a nice you know, fluff piece of this person who saves lives is also saving people's mental health at home by, you know, selling nudes. Instead, they went ahead and like they doxed her. They talked about her in a very negative way Mm -hmm. and they pretty much sex shamed her, even though they did a little report, they did a little interview and she said, wait, what is this for actually? And when the reporter was like, well, we're doing this kind of piece. And she said, please don't, don't report on this. And they went ahead with it anyway and just did this whole expose on someone who's saving lives. Thankfully, AOC had spoke out about it and was just like, sex work is work. But it's one of the only times I've ever seen a politician go on the record and 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 say sex work work is is work. work Because we see so often politicians, again, they pay the rent boys under the table. And then when they get found out, they're like, well, it was, they were carrying my bags. Did you hear about that one? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Fucking, who was it? Oh, I forget their name. I think he was on my list. (laughs) Probably. But, and then like, he traveled everywhere with his bag boy, right? He was just trying to support the underprivileged youth. Anyway, speaking of politicians, uh, Sean, (laughs) the reason that that you are here, well, besides just a nice conversation about sex work and uh, horophobia, um, is to kind of talk about like, speaking of trending as well, the, the one of the times you've trended on the internet, do you want to kind of tell us the story? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's like where to begin. Uh, yeah. so I started out in like 2020. Uh, uh, I had just broken up with my ex, I moved across the country from COVID hit, and then uh, you know, the riots of the Black Lives Matter started, or I won't say riots, protest. Um, and I got involved with that, and then you know. Being out with everyone after being inside for so long, I felt 
felt like I wanted to do something and it's like, what can I do? I know I can donate money or I can ha make a hashtag or whatever, but it uh, just didn't feel like enough. <laughs> Ironically, you can't, you <laughs> well, could make a hashtag well, that trended. I but. <laughs> you did, um, but we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Let's Foreshadowing. Let's <laughs> so it basically kind of, I left one of the rallies and I went home and I made now my infamous tweet and I literally went to bed and woke up the next day. So wait, everything. let's backtrack for those who don't know. What did your infamous tweet say? It was that there is a hypocritical politician who hires sex workers. And I know from other sex workers that, um, you know, he does this thing. And I knew I wasn't alone in this. And I knew that I couldn't do it alone. Uh, so it was kind of a calling call. Uh, it's like step forward if you want to like stand up with me. Yeah, so you were asking other sex workers who had come into contact with this politician to also support you and say it. Yeah, because it's it's because you wanted to call him out for his hypocrisy. Yeah, and it, the damage he was doing. The whole. I mean, now we're in 2021 with Biden, mm -hmm. but this was still under Trump, and this was during COVID and like yeah, it was a nasty time on. last year. It was like Jesus. political turmoil. You, so. really you chose a good moment though. Yeah, I mean, you picked your yeah, moments wisely. Pile on rocks on my Chaos. <laughs> so what did the tweet say or paraphrasing what the tweet said? It was just, you were looking for other people to help you. Did you name anyone in it or you were just kind of expressing that this hypocrisy existed and you wanted to pretty much just provide an outlet or, or just a combined effort to just be like, hey, terrible people exist call out these terrible people, what was your thought process? Yeah, because, you know, when you get together with other sex workers, you share, share stories about, like, others and maybe stuff we keep between us. And so sure. for so many years, I had heard same name come up, and I was like, there's strength in numbers. And, mm -hmm. you know, me going this alone, I could do it. But I wanted, you know, if anyone else wanted to stand up with me, then uh, I was inviting them to the table. And then, um, you know, that at first it started out as a calling call to get you know, people who were brave enough to come with me and, you know, vet them and stuff. And then, uh, you know, it turned into its own little thing. So you went to bed and you woke up to <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, and, like my phone was like, I had so many notifications and I was like looking through my email at first. Like, I think the first person was BuzzFeed. I feel like it's always BuzzFeed. <laughs> BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed always <laughs> tries to get on it before. <laughs> They're like flies on trash. And uh, sorry, but. Uh, dude, you don't have to be sorry. <laughs> we have no affiliation. To they BuzzFeed. don't sponsor us. And their tests are terrible. <laughs> but they like they kind of were unethical. They got like my name, my phone number, my address and was like. They doxed you? Yeah. Holy why, shit. Why do people do that? And uh, but then it started out with BuzzFeed and then it was like uh, Rolling Stone. And then all of a sudden Patricia Arquette is tweeting me and then CNN's tweeting me and emailing me. And then there's these PR agents. It's it's like, do you need a PR agent? And then all these lawyers. And it's this oh is just God, like day one. That's a little overwhelming. <laughs> and like, I'm just like a simple boy. I'm kind of private in my private life. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'll show my hole on the internet, but yeah, yeah, so private. <laughs> I only allow what I want people to see in my life, and uh, I have my private. So that was all gone. Uh, and that yeah, like day one was a little overwhelming, and then it just got worse from there. Did was there anyone who? who you could turn to for support that you could trust during this. And process. what was the, do you mind if we talk about the hashtag? Cause nobody knows what we're even alluding to possibly a lady G 
Uh, okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, but in this, so then that, because it's a major politician, you had the tea, so you had all of this media raining down on you. Was there anyone you could trust, or were yeah. you getting good advice anywhere? It was, it's one of those things where you can Google how to come out against a powerful figure and you're not going to have any results. There's no guidebook. And there's also, if you have a drug problem, there's support groups. If you know you've lost a loved one, there's support groups. There's no support groups for like people like me. So like there was one person I reached out to Stormy Daniels and we had some conversations. Because she had her own little issues coming out with, against trump and, and, <laughs> and we had was some conversations deal. uh i respect our uh privacy and what we said but uh she was very helpful in trying to help me navigate and what i needed to expect of uh, the thunderstorm coming now what i remember during the stormy daniels thing was she got criticized for being a sex worker like that it invalidated her story like she did you did that happen to you because you're a sex worker, so you what you're saying can't be true. Is, did you get that stigma? Yeah, I got a lot of people thought I was doing it for like attention or to get my name out there or money. And mm. it's like the traumatizing part of the whole experience was the attention. I didn't want it. I felt it was important enough for me to go forward with it. Uh, but... And I, I guess that that also is another landmine because people are assuming porn stars are just trying to get clicks and to grow their things. But that's not exactly the attention that you really want to grow. And people so. set up GoFunds for me and like I didn't want any money. I didn't want to like ruin the integrity of it. I had to contact GoFundMe and shut shut all these down. And it was like really nice of you guys to do for me. But uh but yeah, people, uh, they were either super nice to me or really, really mean. It was, there was no like in between. Oh, and I've heard stories of, of people putting up GoFundMes like that and then never actually giving it to the person that they intended to. Right. It's it's another case of, you know, using the porn star for advantage. But then when it comes to supporting sex workers or even just the porn star in general, there's so much stigma. You said like having a conversation with someone on the internet is it almost never happens properly. But the second that someone sees you're a sex worker or you post yourself nude or even slightly scantily clad, like that's the that's the easiest like fallacy that they can pull out of their pocket, which is, oh, well, you get naked on the internet. You don't you can't have a good opinion. You can't be educated, but case in case in point, you said you had two college degrees? Yes, and yeah. I'm about to go but get my master's now. Well, stop being so uneducated. <laughs> Jesus a Christ. Porn star. <laughs> but yeah, the the worst thing that happened, it was I think it happened on day 5. Uh I was doxxed and they found my address and my yep. parents' address and oh I was getting death threats, my parents were getting death threats. And then that was at the kind of point where I was like it's like, do I stay or go? And I just kind of like toughed it out. And I immediately saw, saw a therapist, uh, which has been with me since day one. And we spoke yesterday. Uh, he's Mm. been like, he's been my rock throughout this whole thing. And, uh, he's, he's helped me navigate it. Uh, so that was was week one. (laughs) Well, thank God you did have some sort of support. Um, so, so I guess my next question is, did anyone else come forward to support your claims and um did you did you talk to any reporters or news outlets did you decide to do that or did you decide not to 
Yeah, at, at first it was lawyer, media outlet, CNN anchors, journalist, uh, and I just kind of like wrote everyone's name out. And, uh, you know, people were also coming forward. There was eight other people who came forward. Uh, oh, wow. So eight uh, porn stars? Yes. Wow. Okay. And uh, I knew of three of them, but uh, who I eventually went with uh, was Ronan Farrow. Uh, he kept us. You're, you're talking reporters. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he did. He covered the Harvey Weinstein case okay. uh, and wrote that. So I felt, uh, you know, I felt like he knew what he was doing and yeah. like he knew like any curveball that may come up. Uh, I, I trusted him uh, and I trusted that I would be protected. And because that's what I really sought out because I was very vulnerable. Uh, and so he kept us separated. He wouldn't like give us each other's names. He found some people too with his investigating. Uh, but we couldn't talk to each other because we didn't want to ruin the integrity of the story and maybe chit chat behind the scenes and stuff like that. So. Okay. And so then Ronan Farrell uh, was going to write this story. And uh, so what's the timing of this? Was this October? September so yeah, I, like, I had talked to a lot of people and then decided this was maybe, this started in June, July. Right. Uh, probably July. And then after that, after the death threats, I had left Chicago and moved to Palm Springs. And uh, we were working on the story. And were you, were you doxxed on your new address or were you able to safely get away and start a new life? Uh, not exactly. Because like, I didn't even, my parents didn't even know my address. And I had lived in my apartment maybe three weeks. And then FBI comes knocking on my door. Oh, really? <laughs> and uh, so then it's like, Every week, there's either an FBI agent at my door or a lawyer or somebody questioning me about something. And I don't know if they expected me to just spill everything to some stranger knocking on my door, but they were very resilient. So what were they doing? They were asking you to tell them the story or what What were they asking for? Yeah. And they wouldn't even tell me who they're working for. So it's like, is this, this so why would you talk to them? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was a little petty at the time. Cause I like, this was a lot of trauma being piled on me and uh -huh. they would show up in like suit and ties and it would be 130 degrees outside. And I would like, be like, I'll be right back. And I'd get some water and they would sit there and ask me, I'm like, I don't know. It's really hot out here, isn't it? <laughs> Just to waste their time because they were wasting my time. Uh, I see. And it's like, don't knock on my door again, please. <laughs> like, huh? I'm trying to be. Go away. <laughs> so then, so now it's September, October. You're in Palm Springs. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, taking advice from others. Uh, I was followed by the FBI and private investigators for about three or four months. On Twitter or in person? <laughs> in person. Oh, in person. They would sit outside of my apartment, and it was one of those, you take a right, take a right, take a right, someone's following you. And it was constant. It was a different mm. car. They tried to switch things up. I was on to them. I let them know that like, I was on to them. I mean, what what they think you were going to do, lead them to the politician? <laughs> Some advice that I had, uh, and it's not out of the realm of possibilities that uh, the government can peg fake charges on you. Mm. They'll remove the charges. But uh, yeah, I was very, very afraid to leave my apartment for four months. Uh, I had everything delivered. Uh, the reason I was afraid is because I could have been pulled over and there might have been popped up a charge and got arrested. You know, who's 
what could have happened to me? There's like sure. no, in that political things, yeah. environment and so much at stake for the Republican Party. Right. So do you think the Republican Party really thought you as a threat at this point? I mean, I, I feel like I was a threat to the yeah. Republican Party. I mean, there's one of the most powerful figures and faces of that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, was under the spotlight. Yeah. yeah. And so I had to just disappear off the face of the earth. I didn't talk to friends. I didn't talk to family. Uh, I literally just sat in bed for four months straight, too afraid to leave my house. So then what happened to the story that Farrell was working on? Uh, there was there was a time where maybe in the end of July, I pulled out because I was you know dealing with COVID and I had a really good friend of mine struggling with addiction and I was trying to help him out and uh, just all the thing is like it was overwhelming for me. And then, but I saw like comments on uh, Twitter as like people really love this story and like they were really supportive of me. And I decided to like jump back in it. Uh, and uh, the whole purpose of me is to get this out before the election and uh, to kind of, you know, let this person, people know who this person is. Right. And uh, I was told that they were not going to release the story until after the election. Just, why? So, why not? Uh, there was some like why. ethics involved that could be election interference and oh yeah because the Republican Party would never do anything that would the party of ethics <laughs> the party of ethics would never do anything that would <laughs> and so then it the just vote. it was on me to decide to go forward with it or not because you know if it came out after the election it's like what's the point. You know, it's uh, do I want to be a character on SNL and be a parody of myself and uh, go through all that trauma again? Well, I don't think I accomplish anything. You know, I kind of got my message out there. I was kind of told what I couldn't say on Twitter uh, by the people doing the story because, you know, that's what they were doing. And so, uh, you know, I made the call to just scrap it. I was like, this isn't worth what I've been through and like, you know, it keep going. So I just was like, you know, I withdrew from it. And then thankfully Biden was elected, but this politician was reelected. Right? Yes. And then uh, like after the election, I got a lot of uh, hate. People blamed his win on me. Mm-hmm. I didn't do enough. And- Blame the win for this, this politician that you were trying to out on you. I, how, how so? Just because it got because his name in the They news. said if I would have gone, like, through with it, then, like, he wouldn't have been elected. And it's like, I, that wasn't in my control. Yeah, but what did they do for you before they decided to yell at you for it being your fault? Did they do anything? Did they rally against this person? Did they support you financially? Did they try to help? It, 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 it's it's make so a easy hashtag. to point fingers. You think you're doing something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they look at a hashtag and they think, oh, well, this person started the hashtag, so therefore they must be the one that can do what I want them to do. And oh, if they do, it's it's the keyboard warriors on the internet that sometimes I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what world you live in, sir, man, or and or just person in general. But you can't just sit there and yell at people and blame them for your problems or your your discomforts and i will say like if anyone is like coming forward it takes a lot of courage yeah. and you don't know what goes on in the background with this stuff i haven't even there's stuff i didn't even talk about yet but uh doubting someone uh doesn't give you a right to cyber bully them uh mm-hmm. because they already have a lot of pain going through this and it doesn't help the the situation even though you think it might get a rise out of them 
uh, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't give you a right to do that. So I just wanted to like put that out there too. Well, and even if, even if you had reported those people, the, the social media is not on our side either in this case. Oh. Most, most social networks don't, don't side with the sex worker, quote unquote, normal person in society versus a sex worker. They're going to see the sex worker as a higher risk in almost every single case, because much like the therapist we talked about earlier, sex work is just seen as this high risk thing, not because we are higher risk, but because society causes us to be a higher risk. The way that they treat us, the way that they look at us, the way that they censor us, the way that we don't talk about sex. And so it's so much easier to say that the sex worker is lying or incorrect or wrong because morality is on their side, at least from a societal standpoint. And it's like even on the right side of things, it's they love their military and police officers and they're, we should respect them because their job is dangerous. And it's like... We could have a pretty dangerous job too. Yeah, sex workers are never in danger, are they? <laughs> it's it's one of those little catch twenty twos. Respect yeah. people because they have a dangerous job, but and yet those same those same uh, people that are supposed to be keeping us safe those those police are the reason that police brutality is so high for sex yep. workers. They will make up, as you said, they will make up charges just to pull someone over or just to put someone in the back of a car so that they can actually do what it what ends up being brutality in in many cases i mean when we talk about this we also talk about decriminalization of sex work the reason sex workers are at, at in danger is because we criminalize so much of what people are trying to do consensually and laws like sesta fosta made it even more dangerous for sex workers when it was under the guise of protecting them and my biggest like thing about sex work and escorting is you can have some, a stranger in your hotel and film it and they can, you can pay them money and call it porn. But yeah. if you have a stranger in your house and you don't film it and you pay them, it's illegal. Yeah, I always found that really weird being a pornographer myself and directing porn for 30 years. I could fly an actor out, shoot them having sex with each other, give them money, have them sign contracts that I own this footage. And that's not prostitution, but <laughs> had those two people come and given each other money, then that would have been. You need that third party to, to pay them for it not to be illegal. It never made sense to me. <laughs> it's, no, I mean, I get it. It's the, it's the puritanical nature of, of our society. It's, it's the religion. It's the, the shady politics of it all. But did you, what did you learn from from it all or do, is there any is there any silver lining to it besides being able to hopefully tell a story that shines a light on the experience i've learned that embracing your sexuality is like one of the most powerful things you can do oh. i mean look at how many bo boots it uh you know shook up in washington and uh how scared a lot of people were to put they spent a lot of money on me to track me down to watch me to keep me like under control silent yeah and uh, they didn't do that because, you know, they knew something was up. It's it's not a kept secret there about uh, him, but... Uh, yeah, he's it's known, right? Yeah, it's it's not a very well kept secret. <laughs> so, so trying to shut you up, I don't understand, but... <laughs> I just remember feeling so, like, powerless growing up and having to be in the closet. And then once I started like embracing my sexuality, you have no powerful how you can be and like what you can do if you just embrace that. Yeah. And it's uh, just one of those like cool things. Shame is, shame is only what you are ashamed of. People can, people can be aggressive and mean, but 
it, it's it's the power that you give other people or or maybe even just the the power that you let other people put on you if you're not ashamed of something like the, the stuff that I, I, mean, I don't know what daddy does when I'm not around, but yes, you do. I put it on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> when you are able to walk through life and just kind of feel liberated in that, that regard, it's a, it's a type of superpower that that's just kind of well powerful. Some, someone can comment all they want to the cows come home on Twitter or YouTube or Instagram that, you know, I'm ugly or I'm stupid cause I'm a sex worker. But at the end of the day, like, I know that the stuff that we do is helpful to people, that that it is something that people love and enjoy, that it gives other people the the, the power and the ability and the permission to be a sex worker or a sex educator or just a, a, a sexy person standing in a jockstrap because, you know, they want to look sexy too. Like, people on the internet are terrible, but some people on the internet are really great. <laughs> and I have a, I have a question for you because this year, uh, uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Sasowski retweeted your hashtag referring to you. Yeah, she referenced me on Twitter. Yeah, did she? Did that give you any validation that you did the right thing? Did that? How did that make you feel? And how did your life change after that? <laughs> it, it was cool because I mean it, that's when it was like there's two stories because at first the lady G thing was kind of only known in the left wing and like gay people news. And then once she did that, gay people news. Welcome back to gay, gay people, people news. news tonight. Lady G is, uh, but then it got like on the right wing side and they tried so hard to make her out as homophobic over that tweet. Call it, just saying, when it's the opposite and then they found out about me and was attacking me for being homophobic and i'm just like who Seriously? are you people like you are kind of the <laughs> scum of the earth and you're like now just calling me homophobic because yeah. you, you use the hashtag lady g and it's you, like you ha- it's his it was a preferred name and you know we were wait what do you mean it was a preferred name <laughs> <laughs> the name that they gave Oh. That they asked to be called. I'm There's your sure. T right so, there. So, I mean, you know, just respect people's pronouns yeah. and their names. And yeah. it's not homophobic to do that, I don't uh, think. Not if Lady G asked for it. Nope. Um, so, do you have any regrets about speaking out now? How would you, would you have done anything different? How are you feeling now? I would... My advice, if you want to do this, uh, there's two ways to go about it. You can seek legal counsel, and you're probably going to have to pay for that up front. First of all, not everyone's going to be able to do this because not everyone has had an experience like this. Yeah. But <laughs> if you ever do <laughs> happen to come across a politician <laughs> who pays a, you for sex. Please get a therapist uh, before you go through it. Um, and oh, therapy. Sex-positive therapist, please. Yes. Like, get, get your references. I'll be, out, I'll be out of grad school maybe in three years. You can look me up in California. Oh. <laughs> but but yeah, it's uh, I went out the gate, just the floodgates, and the lawyers came to me pro bono. Sure. sure. And what I learned from everyone saying, I'll do this for free, I'll do this for free, they weren't, nothing's free. They were, you know, in some way I was going to make them money some way or the other. Yeah. Um, and this was never about money for me, but, uh, if you were looking for legal representation, you will be flooded with it. Uh, you won't have any sense of privacy for a while. Uh, it's a lot of, it's very stressful. Uh, yeah. How'd that affect your health? Uh, my therapist, it, he diagnosed me with CPTSD, mm. uh, complex 
post-traumatic stress disorder. It was, uh, my depression was really bad. I was, uh, I was a little suicidal there. I'm surprised I'm still alive, but I'm still here today. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff that'll come at your way that hurts. Yeah. And, uh, so this is kind of like me turning my pain into a purpose and, uh, getting out of the way since I've just returned to the industry now, like in a month, uh, it's the number one question I still asked. So this was kind of a little so I can reference this and move on with my life from it. Cause I don't want to live in that shadow forever. Does it feel good to talk about it and get it out a little bit? Yeah. Cause, um, for a while, it's just, you know, having to constantly relive a trauma over and over and explain right. a story is, it gets old. It gets very tiring. And, uh, sure. So then now what, what's your, uh, what are you going to say now if like this sparks new renewed interest in people wanting coming at you? Anything you want to tell them? <laughs> what do you mean? People wanting to hear this story repeatedly. Yeah, it's uh, like there's a podcast and you can look at <laughs> But uh, from, you know, What's today's date? The 28th of like, September. you know, we're putting this behind me. So this is my like closing a door. Oh, good. Aww. I like that. I and love that. I'm glad you're doing it's that a, with It's us. a form of therapy, just getting able to talk about. So, oh, and also, um, is this the correct address to bill you for today's therapy appointment? <laughs> or, uh, for real though, um, what are you working on? What can people do to support you? Where can people find you if they want to make their own... Um, Appointments. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm sure you already know, but it's Sean Harding XXX. And if you're struggling with something or need like some more one-on-one -on -one advice, feel free to DM me uh, or email me. My email is on my. Careful what you ask for. <laughs> you're gonna have a lot of DMs. Why do? What if they DM you through your OnlyFans? How's that? <laughs> Pay first. Pay first, then, then DM. Also, um, and I just want to, I just want to put this out here because your whole story started with a tweet, as as most stories do uh, yes. at this kind of uh, stage. Everybody, listen. If, you, if you're gonna tweet something, you type it out. You know, get it out of your brain and into your tweet. Save it in a draft. Think about <laughs> posting it, and definitely don't post it right before bed because you're gonna wake up, and it's gonna be the only tweet that's ever done well, and it's not gonna be a good kind of well. Okay, you know what I mean? Like number of people that like did a tweet or and then got on a plane or went to bed, and then they woke up or landed, you know, eight hours later, and their entire life had been turned upside down, been doxxed, they got fired. So like, if Was you're gonna it about tweet Sean something, Harding? I, I don't want to dox him like that. Oh my god, no. But I just mean like. And, and I'm not saying what you did was not right. I'm just I'm uh -oh. just giving some general general feedback. I mean, holding people accountable is incredibly important in our society, especially those that are problematic and doing actual harm. But you also always have to take your safety into consideration too. Uh, if if anything can be learned from a story of activism, it's activism is important, but so is your mental health. You know, be careful of tweets of passion because passion's important yeah yeah, yeah. But, but you know acts crimes of passion tweets of passion you know you just want to you're so you're what? so caught up in the moment that yeah. you don't think about you what happens next through. yeah and oh, for so sure. like just be careful of that like you just said yeah <laughs> i mean uh, we we're involved in our own passionate lawsuits as well and i know how difficult that that can be and how time consuming and while i don't have any uh, complex ptsd yet um it's it's a lot it's a lot so please you know let this just be a reminder to take your time today and go for a walk or or do something that makes you feel good or go watch some wonderful porn with attractive people that might be featured in this podcast that will be linked down below in the description. <laughs> or, hey, maybe you just need to make yourself look a little bit 
a little bit nicer, you know, get a, get a manscape package and, and manscape. Sorry. That was a bad, that was wow, a bad point. That was sorry. a bad segment. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All that to say, um, do you have anything else to share, Sean? Where uh, You've already plugged your socials, but is there anything else you're working on or anything you want to say to the lovely audience listening? Uh, no, it's like I've been out of this industry for 16 months. I'm just back in it. So I'm kind of just seeing where it is with COVID and stuff. So that's all I'm doing right now is, you know, getting back into the swing of things after just being a little prisoner for a while. So I'm and, getting my freedom back. And are you enjoying it? Are you getting um, good feedback with like the people you're working with now? I'm not I'm not milking you for no, no, compliments like, right yeah, now, yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> it was a concern because I hadn't, you know, I was in bed for so I lost a lot of weight and it wasn't, you know, I was I have a porn body. And so it was kind of like you putting yourself back good, out there. Um, like it was, but I've been received well. Everyone's been really nice. And uh, it's like I never left. So it's a good family. I mean, our, my porn family is good people. Yeah. So I'm sure you'll get your own. Yeah. I love that porn. On the next episode, porn family, chosen porn family. <laughs> Sean, thank you so much for for coming on today, though. As we as we're wrapping up here, I appreciate your story. I appreciate your activism. I appreciate the the work that you had to do and and the pain you probably went through. But I'm I'm glad to see that you're still in one piece and still still fighting the good fight. And I'll end on this: uh, if you do want to speak out uh don't let anyone pressure you into doing anything you're uncomfortable with mm. uh i learned that the hard way uh don't feel like you owe anybody anything because uh, you don't i, I agree like agreed just final word. period you, you heard it here first can i get a gay man gay men and daddy where can people find you you can also find me on twitter christopher weston that's christopher with the k or instagram mr christopher weston and you can find me everywhere at PupAmp, including PupAmp.com if you want the sexy times. Um, this has been What's Your Safe Word, the podcast. It's got a few kinks, but you can also find us everywhere at What's The Safe Word. That's Twitch, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. And uh, if, if, you, if you want, you can also leave a, a little comment in the reviews down below. We're not going to give you a review today because today was just kind of a, a heartfelt conversation. But uh, we appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you later. Bye. Bye. You can say bye if you want. You can say bye. Adios. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Sayonara. Uh, what are other languages? I don't. Uh, adios. No, we already said adios. Aloha. Oh, that is. Uh, yeah, Aloha. hello or That's goodbye. Hello and Ooh. goodbye. Ooh. Yeah. That college degree paid off. Yeah, oh, I was yeah, just going to wow. say that. <laughs> Two degrees. Two degrees right there at work. <laughs> well done. <laughs>